Thank you, Lord. Today is 12, 12, 12. And I believe that tonight there is a change taking place in your life. God's changing something. I really felt that this morning while I was praying. Don't know what it is, whether it's for me, for the church. I just don't know. But I'm so convinced this very day is a day of change for somebody's life. Your life is going to change and there's going to be a turnaround in your situation. Total turnaround. And I ask that uh, you receive it and believe God for what he's doing. Now, Father, I just want to... I just want you to minister tonight. Spirit of the living God, thank you for being our helper, the helper. Speak to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing our message, uh, Keys to Biblical Prosperity. And when we're talking about prosperity, we're not just talking about money. That's just one part. Prosperity covers every area of life. Your whole life. It's one thing to have money, but if you can't use the money, possibly because you're sick. We have talked about a lady out there who's so wealthy, but she lives in the hospital. She has millions of dollars. She can give millions, tens of millions of dollars away. But she's so sick, she can't even stay in her home. She lives in the hospital, being treated constantly. That's not... Prosperity. True prosperity, God gives you the ability to enjoy everything He's put in your hand. And God wants to give us so much. You know, in um, Exodus chapter 23, I believe, verse 25, He says, So you shall serve the Lord your God. Now, I, I want you to understand what God is saying. If you are His child, He's saying, so you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. Not me. He will bless everything that concerns your life. Your physical life. No spiritual life. He is already your God. You are spiritual. You are his. But he wants to take care of everything that concerns you. Your children, your finances. Your home, your car, everything. So you shall serve the Lord your God and He will bless your bread and your water. And God's not just talking, talking about physical water. Okay, God bless my physical water. Or God's talking about your life. Your physical life. Here. And He means it. He'll bless your bread and your water. And God said, I will take sickness away from your midst. So when he's blessing you, you are healthy enough to enjoy his blessings. That's what God is saying. I will take sickness away from the midst of you. I cannot be sick. Healing is one thing. And that's why this, this coming Sunday message is so important. I believe that this is a new series. And, and, and I believe you change your life. Because he's changing my life. He's going to change your life. He's going to take a lot of wrong consciousness in our lives off from your life. So that God can flow through you. So that there's, that confidence can be in you. 
I have so much confidence by the grace of God. And I was telling somebody, I know without a doubt. If my mind says today I want to pray for the sick, somebody's going to be healed. I, I just know that. I, I, don't, I can't recall any time I went out to preach and they're telling me, come and preach. We want to pr- pray for the sick. I don't recall. It may have happened, but I, since I started ministry, I can't recall one time that I've been out there, one person didn't get healed. I can't recall that time. He's never been. In church, I wear a different mantle. I got to teach. But it's not about me. It's about him. Because he's so faithful. The Holy Spirit is always with us. And he's always ready to confirm his word with signs following. We just need to position ourselves. And as we position ourselves, not just me, every one of you looking at me tonight, every one of you can do the same. You just need to recognize what God is putting in in your hand. Because God will bless your bread and your water. No one will suffer miscarriage. Whatever you start, it's not just going to waste away. That's miscarriage. You can't start a business and God is in it and you just disappear. No miscarriage. Not just physical miscarriage. Amen. Can you, are you getting it tonight? It's not just physical miscarriage. You don't start something that God was in it and then halfway it's all gone. No, God will complete everything He starts in your life. You carry it to term. You put it in you. He births it in you. The idea comes from the Lord. You, he's in you. He stays in you. You may go through the valley of the shadow of death, but you come in on the, on the other side. That thing you carry to term. So you can enjoy. No one will suffer miscarriage or be barren in the land. Barrenness means want. Amen. <laughs> That's you're in trouble if, you, if you're barren. No productivity. God says that's not for his children. So God wants to bless us. So God wants you to prosper. We need, many times people want to know the will of God. God's will is for you to prosper. He gave his son to guarantee that. His son went to the cross to guarantee your prosperity. Jesus didn't just come to the earth just to die for our sins so that we can be forgiven and we'll go back to heaven. If that's the case, you get saved and God... You're gone. Way up. But it leaves you here to prove the power of the cross upon your life. To prove to the world the power of the blood of Jesus to transform a life. In every area of life. That's what the gospel is. That's why it's called good news. It can't be good news that people can't see. It's got to be good news that's at work in your life that everyone can see. And God says they will envy you and they want your God. They want to go to the house of God with you. Because they see what God is doing in you. And God is not a man. He can't lie. If God says something and you believe it and you act on it, He'll do it. If He has spoken, God will make it good. The only problem is we got all these things that are coming from us. In the way of unbelief, what's happening to the brother? He was a righteous brother. How come that thing happened to him? You're not supposed to look at your brother. You're supposed to look at Jesus. Your brother is not Jesus. You don't know what's happening in his life. You don't even make any man your standard. You can't. If you make me your standard, you're making a big mistake. Oh, a real serious mistake. He is our standard. Jesus in the scriptures, that's our standard. I don't care what's happening to them. 
Even if he's known of all over the world, he is not my standard. I want to see what's happening in Bible days, and that's what I want to happen in my life. And that's what we should go after. God wants you to prosper. God is the one that gives you the power to get wealth. Wealth is not a dirty word. God cannot give you the power to get something that he hates. Respect. Wealth is something that God loves. And he wants you to have it. So Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, he says, Don't forget me because I gave you the power to get wealth. You go define wealth. That's what God wants. But we got all these arguments. That's why Second Corinthians 10 says we are pulling down arguments. Things that Satan is coming against us. God didn't mean that. What about this brother? He's a saint, but look at him. I'm not looking at the brother. He's not my standard. I got to look at the mirror. The book. What it says. That's my standard. And the Bible says, as you look in the mirror, you are being transformed. Amen. As you look into this perfect law of liberty, you are being transformed. And you are being transformed from glory to glory. That's the word of God. I tell you what, you won't go very far with God if you start looking to man. They're ready to tell you. <laughs> Many times I've seen newborn uh, Christians, they are so excited. Have you seen those? They are happy, just, just run. Oh, church, you say what? They say glory. And the old saints are saying, don't worry about it. You coming down, you're going to be just like us. Sour and complaining, no joy. Don't worry, you are having your highs. Now, I was there when I was newly saved at all. And the guy's wondering, oh my God, what's going to happen to me? And the Christians do that. That's not the standard. You can be joyful. Jesus gave us joy. We can be joyful, joyful constantly. There's no reason to be sad. I got Jesus with me. So God gives the power to get wealth, and He guarantees abundant, abundance of supply for every one of us. But there are qualifications, and that's what we stopped last week. Qualifications for this, God wants us to have, and the first qualification to get God's wealth. God's wealth, and, and let me let you know this: sometimes we're thinking mm, it's too late. I wish I knew this before. You're not alone. When I got, got called into ministry, I kept thinking, God, why didn't you call me when I was a young man? <laughs> and I could do this. How come these others got called when they were young? But I realized quickly, the one who is called at the first hour and the one who is called at the eleventh hour, God paid the same. Amen. Don't matter. God can give you in one year what you've been struggling for 40 years to get. One year. Just one. It only takes just one single thing that God touches. And your life is transformed. And when God starts, not up and down. Okay? Nobody can stop you. They can be jealous, but they can't stop you. Because when God starts, 
It keeps going. And that's what I believe for my family and your family. Amen. No ups and downs. We're going up. I don't have to be afraid about what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to be okay. God's going to take care of us. No way. And my wife and I, we've been through all, all these things. You, you nobody sees it. I'm not going to even tell you. <laughs> but you can't see it on me. Because I know the God I serve. I can talk to him. He's there. He's always with me. Always with me. Always with you. Everywhere I go, he's there with me constantly. That's his promise. That's his goodness. He doesn't change. And he's doing the same thing with you. Everywhere you go, every little thing you hear, every paper that you read, the thing that comes in the mail that you read, he's aware of it. He sees it. He's watching your reaction. You're going to trust me or you're going to entertain fear because of what you just read, because of what you've been told. Am I big enough for you? Is the one that is in you greater than the one that's in the world? Is the one that is in you greater than the, the, that little paper that you just read and whatever was in there? Can God handle the situation? Many times we want to be wise and say, we have to be real. Well, if you want to be real, go real with the Bible. That's the truth. That's the truth. Every other thing is a fact. <laughs> the truth is in this book. And the truth will transform the fact that you got into the truth in the natural world. That's the God that we serve. But you need to, the real serious thing with God, esteem earthly things lightly. Earthly things should never consume you. Your decisions should not be based on worldly things, earthly things, gain, the fame, money, wealth. The decisions you make should not be based on that. And that's why God told us, and we're coming to this, this series, the next one. God told us very clearly, you should have no other God before me. Nothing else. Number one commandment. He says, don't bow down to them. Don't make any likeness of a God. Don't bow down to them. I must always be number one. Every other thing don't matter. Jesus said, even hate your own life. That's so important. If anyone will follow me, wants to come after me and follow me, you must hate even your own life. Your whole life should come second, way distant second, to your concern for him. Otherwise, he's not there. He's not there. Wealth follows God everywhere he goes. His streets are paved with gold. God, wealth means nothing to him. And if you carry him, as you go along, wealth will come after you. Because wealth cannot stay away from God. He has to follow God everywhere. But if you pursue after wealth, God's in front, wealth's following after God, and you're trying to catch up. You think you can run real fast to catch up with God? You better stay with Him. 
Because wealth and God will be so far from you, you're trying to catch up way back there. You stay pursuing after God and wealth will pursue after you. That's why God said in Deuteronomy 28, these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Because you are following after God. You get to esteem worldly things, wealth and all of those things. You have to esteem them so lightly. Way back there, it don't matter. I got to pursue after God. And believe me, it's not an easy thing to do. God has to open your eyes to see. And when you have that revelation, it doesn't mean anything to you anymore. You can give it away. Because it's not your source. God's your source. God's your source. It doesn't mean anything. You can let all of it go. And those people who can, when, they, when you get there, when I get there, you got big enough room to hold the blessings and they will come upon you and they will be overflowing. But we got to get there first. We have to receive that revelation. Everything comes by revelation. If you don't have revelation, you can't have faith. Once God opens your eyes, faith there. If you don't have revelation, you question things because it don't make sense to you. It won't make sense to you. The natural man, that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. He says, the foolishness. What are you doing? Doesn't make sense. But when God opens your eyes, it makes a lot of sense. And you won't consider those things. Let me read about we talked about this last week. But look at Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 24, it says, By faith, he knew God. By faith, you can only know God by faith. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter. That's the highest position in the land. You know, Angel and I are wondering, you know, uh, is it, uh, is it, what's the name of the prince of uh, England, the, the young prince? His wife is uh, pregnant now. Yeah. The baby is not being born and everyone is talking about this baby. And it's incredible. I'm wondering what's going on. Why? Because of the family. Moses had that. And more. I know, I know Pharaoh knew that that was a Hebrew baby because of the way she found the baby. But because of his love for his daughter, he allowed the baby to live, right? That baby must be special. That baby must be special. He had so much class in, his, in, in the place where he lived. He was well respected. But he was raised by his mom and he understood and knew about the God of Abraham. Can you imagine? With all of that wealth, Moses saw beyond that. And he was looking to the God of Abraham. The God who brought them to that land. What he did through Joseph. He knew those stories. I'm sure his mother told him. He wanted that God, not the wealth of Egypt. 
He wanted all of those things. And look at where the place God has placed that man today. Nobody's seen that many miracles. So much confidence. Dividing a sea with a rod. Just a staff in his hand. All kinds of miracles. To the point where God says, I'm going to raise up a prophet like unto Moses. Jesus like unto Moses. You know all that happened. Jesus born, killing babies, Moses, the same time. Same thing. You can go through a list of those. But it says he refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter. In other words, he didn't want that title. No, I don't want to be called that. I want to be called the, the, a child that is under the same God that Joseph had. That's what he wanted. It says, choose him rather to suffer affliction. That's very important. Suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Esteeming the reproach. Now, esteeming the reproach. That's what you esteem. He esteemed the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. The suffering that he had to go through, that was more for him in way of wealth than the wealth of Egypt. And Egypt was the greatest nation on, the greatest nation on earth at that time, that time. He had everything. He threw all of that away just to be with God. And left not even concerned about Pharaoh's anger. Grandfather, disappointed. He wasn't concerned. He would rather be with this God. And the Bible says the reason he did that was he was looking for a reward. Read it. Verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he looked to the reward. When you follow God, he's going to reward you. That's why Jesus said when you pray, go into your closet. And talk to your father who sees or hears in secret. And guess how he rewards you? When you go to him in secret, he rewards you openly. When you fast, he said do it in secret. Your father who sees in secret rewards you for your fasting openly. And Moses understood it. And he thought to himself, I like the reward that comes from God. I don't want Egypt's reward. I would rather suffer so that I can gain this reward. And that's what God is asking for. You know, there was a, young, a rich young ruler. He will not accept the reproach, the reproach of Christ. He went to Jesus and he said, Good master, what good thing can I do to inherit eternal life? He wanted to know. Jesus said, why did, you, why did you call me good? Are you acknowledging that I am God? Your eyes that open? To know because only one is good. God alone. Did you get that revelation from God that I am God? You're calling me good master? And Jesus told him, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. But look at what Jesus did. He separated the commandments. Jesus never talked to him about the first four that had to do with 
your honor for God. He went to the last six. He said, don't commit, don't murder, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal. Honor your father and your mother. Keep this Sabbath day. Those were the commandments he told him. The guy said, and notice, the guy said, all of those things I have done. What good thing? And when Jesus said, keep the commandments, he says, which one? <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. You want to keep some commandments and leave the other ones? Which one? Which ones do you want me to keep? Jesus told him, okay, since you are interested in which ones, I'll give you the one that has to do with man. But the first one was missing, the reproach of Christ. And after the man said, look, I've done all of that from my youth. And he wasn't lying. And Jesus would have said, you lied. That wasn't true. You didn't do that. He was careful to do all of that. To take care of his neighbor. He had wealth. He was doing all of that. But God said, you have esteemed the wealth of Egypt more than your God. And you will not receive the reproach of Christ. Jesus said, okay, the guy, I love that guy, and Jesus loved the guy. He said, I've done all of that. What do I still lack? And Jesus said, if you will be perfect, he goes to the, the other commandment, love the Lord your God, okay? The one was dealing with the na- your neighbor. Now we go back to the real commandment, loving God above everything. And God, Jesus took him to that. If you will be perfect, go home, sell everything, because you've broken the first commandment. You've made money your God. You're bound to money. And the Bible says, he left very upset. Very upset. Very, very upset. And I'm sure God was, God's heart was broken. Jesus was really sad about what had taken place. And, and the funny thing was, all the disciples were there watching what was going on. The twelve of them were watching what was what was happening between two of them, Jesus and this man. And Jesus actually gave him that privilege. Do all of that, come and follow me. We will have been talking about this man today. But the Bible will not even give, let his name be written in the book. He's not worth it. You can put Peter's name there. You can put Thomas's name there. But this man, he just called a rich young ruler. That's it. God will not allow his name to be in his eternal book. Because he will not accept the reproach of Christ. He won't accept that. He left. And Jesus said, how hard it is. For a rich man. Rich people go to heaven. But when you consider riches your God on the earth, you are a rich man. You can make it. That's who you are. For the world. But God's riches is much better than the riches of the world. And Moses knew that. Moses knew that. Abraham knew that. Abraham left everything to follow God. Genesis 12. By Genesis 13, he was all very wealthy. 
But Abraham's wealth meant nothing to the guy. He wanted a son. Remember that? He wanted God's promise to be fulfilled in his life. That was more important to him than anything. He, didn't, he could care less. I mean, he told Lot, you can have, just pick. You want land, you choose. With your heads do. Choose whatever you want. If you choose that way, I'll go this way. He could care less about those things. God was number one. And he became very wealthy. And God was with him. You know, the thing about it is, when Peter and the other disciples heard what had happened, and Jesus saying, how hard is this for a, a rich man to make it into heaven? He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of God. They were astounded by that. They were shocked, all of them. And they all have spoken, who then can be saved? You know why? Because they were rich. They were rich. If they were poor, like we think they were, why would they be concerned? Jesus, thank you for saying that. I'm poor and I'm going to heaven. No, they were very concerned. Who then can be rich? I mean, can be saved. You know why? Who then can be saved? Jews were not supposed to be poor. Get it. Who then? They were not just talking about themselves. Everyone. Who then can be saved? Because all Jews were not supposed to be poor. Get it. Christians are not supposed to be Sometimes we are so religious, God cannot really get to us. We have all these ideas, and we're fighting about those ideas. I'm believing God for transformation. I'm so confident, and I've said it here, you know, and, and for you and, and for me. Because I'll continue to speak these words here, and I'm so confident God's going to confirm it. God's going to be pouring it upon your life. God's word cannot return to him void. He needs the word to confirm, and I'll continue to put it in this place in Jesus' name. No fearing about any criticism, I don't concern myself about it. I'm not going to be worried about that. I've got to put the word out. I've got to put the word out. And as the word goes out, as people begin to receive and begin to line up, they position themselves, you watch out what God's going to do. And God's already demonstrated that this church has never been, my wife will tell you, Pastor Wendy will tell you, when we started the first uh, church, probably for the first eight weeks or so, it was all about God blessing us. Remember that? My wife was saying, when are you going to end with this series? You're talking about the, all blessings all the time. And, and, and when we were talking about these blessings, we only had one car in our home. I take Angela to work, and she stays there until I get back. She, never get, she can't get back home. Mm. That's the truth. We're having a hard time paying our bills. But I spoke on, on God's financial blessings constantly. And guess what God was doing? At Rose and, uh, and uh, Ines, you guys were there. I mean, God was bringing, we were raising funds in, a, in our little home. In our little home, we raised almost close to $30,000 in how many months? Three months? About three months. And we were all asking one another, where is the money coming from? Believe me, I was asking the question, where is this money coming from? 
And some of the members, Pastor, where is this money coming from? I don't know, but it was coming from the congregation. Just few of us. Some Sundays we got a full house. The other Sunday is almost like Angela and I. I'm kidding. <laughs> Just few of us. And our, our praise and worship leaders. <laughs> and you were there too. You saw that. It was, sometimes it was not funny. <laughs> but we have never lacked. In three months, we were able to buy that building, the one we moved, just moved out from. And I, I'm sure God was demonstrating to me and to us as a church, we will never be in want. We've never been there. We've always been able to pay our bills. We have more than we need to pay the bills. That's just the truth. And I believe God's doing that because of you. Amen? Just to show to you, I'm able to do that for you. I think, you know, I'm going I'm to brag on God today. Okay, okay. Is I'm okay? I'm okay with that? I can brag. I'm not going to say three, okay? <laughs> Put my hands up. <laughs> not three, okay? <laughs> but there are so many times that, you know, we needed finances. And I'll talk to God and I say, I need 10, this was back then, I need 10,000 this week. And guess what? I get 10,000 and a little change. And I'm very specific. And usually when 10,000, it's one thing if it's 11,000. It's exactly 10,000, maybe $800 more. God says, I added that for you so you know I did it. He is so faithful to us. I'm able to believe that because I, I have it in my head and I'm saying God transfer this to my family, okay? Because I have it in my head that this is God's work and you have to provide it, God, and you got to give me this money. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's your work and he's doing it. Now I need to transfer it to my family, you understand? <laughs> but God is able to do it for us if we will do that. This is what Peter said to Jesus after they heard this. He says, then Peter began to say to him, notice, Peter began to say, he didn't finish, Peter began to say to Jesus, see, we have left all and followed you. What did they leave? Some? Everything. They left everything. Nothing mattered to them. Did they own those things? Absolutely. Otherwise they would feel poor. But they left everything behind to follow Jesus. He said, and he began to say, and I'm sure he was going to make his argument. He began to say, he wasn't finished. Jesus cut him off. Can you understand what I'm saying now? Jesus cut him off. Peter began to say to him, see, we have left all and followed you. And immediately Jesus came in. He knew where he was going with that. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one. Can you say no one? In other words, it will never happen. That's what it is. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm sure he looked at Peter straight in his eyes because he knew where Peter was going with what he began to say. And Jesus told him, there is no one. In other words, if anyone would dare it, if you would do this for God, there is no one. Who has left house, or brother, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, 
for my sake and the gospels. No one. It will never happen. That's what Jesus was saying. You cannot give anything for God and lose it. That's what he's saying. It's impossible. The question is, are we willing to do this? I'm sure Peter's heart was so glad that day for hearing those words. He was very, very comforted. He was very concerned when Jesus said, how hard. But he knew not only will he get back what he left, but more. No one, Jesus said, it's not going to ever happen. If you leave land, whatever, who shall not receive a hundredfold in this time, in this present life? In this present life, God will give you a hundredfold. That means if a woman follows Christ and the husband says, I'm not going there, I'm not going to go to church with you, I'm going to let you go, God will bring another husband that amounts to about a hundred husbands for this one woman. Because if he wants to go, he can go. Because he doesn't want to follow God. God says, the woman is not tied to that covenant. You're free. But God will give. If you leave husband because of me and the gospels, I'll give you a husband. He's going to be a hundred times more than that one husband you got. That's what he's saying. If you leave land, God's going to give you more. Because what is it? You don't care about it. You see, Peter and the others, they esteemed the reproach of Christ more than the wealth that they left behind. And God's going to reward them. That's the truth. That's scripture. Which we will believe these things. Because if you truly believe in it, you will be so excited. Notice Peter and the others, they were with him till the very end. Jesus made statements that baffled them. And many were leaving, and Jesus turned to them and said, Would you also go? This is, we don't have anywhere to go. To whom shall we go? We know you got the words of life. We can't leave you. We're not going back to those things we left behind. We're staying with you. We're looking for the reward. Just like Moses was looking for the reward. Amen? Wow. What a man. Moses actually stood right there in the very presence of God and watched God write on stone. Amen? He watched God write on stone. How many people had that privilege? And God says, after this world, you're going to be so blessed. When you make God number one, blessed is the man who walks Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3, when you make God number one, blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, you don't take their counsel and walk in it. Or stand in the way of sinners. Or sit in the seat of scornful. Notice, walking and standing and sitting. <laughs> you don't walk in their counsel. You don't follow what they're telling you. You know it doesn't make sense. 
It makes sense to them, but you're following God. So you don't listen to their counsel. Oh, you're giving all your money. I was a new Christian. They were saying, how come you're giving all your money to, your, to this man, your pastor? You're deceived. They told me that. And I'm not giving him the money. I'm giving it to God. The question is, where is God? You're giving it the pastor is taking your money. That was what I was told. Just a few days old as a Christian. Does it make sense to them? Does it make any sense to them? So you don't walk in their counsel. You don't stand with them in the way, whatever they're doing. And you don't sit with them as they, they, they scorn, you know, uh, uh, they're becoming scornful before God. But your delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law, you meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree. You, God says, you will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Who is doing the planting? God himself. When God plants you, you do well. You don't have to depend on anybody. You don't have to call anybody. They'll call you. Amen? That's the way God wants it. He says, that tree will bring forth its fruit in season. So, understand, you may be going through a time, a dry spell. The season is not yet. Amen? Always recognize that God does things in seasons. Don't give up before the season is in. Amen? Stay with it. Your season is coming. Many people quit before they get to their season. And they get, they get nothing. Stay with it. Everything with God has a season. Everything has its time. You are planted by God. When you are following God, you will, your leaves will always be green. In other words, God will continue to provide for you, but the day is coming when you come into your season. And then the abundance will flow. And the way I see it, when it, began, when it begins, it goes all the way, just like Isaac. The man Isaac began to prosper. And he continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. And the Philistines envied him. They feared him. That's your portion tonight in Jesus' name. That's your portion tonight in Jesus' name. By the power of the name of Jesus, because you're hearing the word of God tonight, that's your portion tonight in the name of Jesus. Please receive it because it's coming. Is coming in Jesus' name. Give me time so I finish this. I'm not going to go too far, but I'm going to finish this tonight. You have to be willing and obedient. Many Christians are showing by their attitude they are not willing. They are not willing. When God says to give, they, they say, well, I don't have to give. Why would God tell you to give when you don't have to give? He gives seed for this. Over. You are demonstrating that you are not willing. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. You will eat of the good of the land. But many Christians are not willing. They are showing by the way they live that they are not willing. They are not. They say with their mouth that they are willing, but their actions tells you they are lying. They are not willing. They won't be obedient. Two things a Christian must recognize. 
Two things you must give to God. You cannot get with God. God cannot begin to do work in your life if you neglect these two things. They are so important to the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. A lot of Christians, they don't care. They just do whatever they like. God understands. He doesn't understand. Read in Revelation. On the first day of the week. John was in the island of Patmos, but he recognized it was Sunday. Guess what he was doing? By himself. On the first day of the week, the Lord's day, he said, I was in the Spirit. He, was, he knew it was Sunday. Even though he was alone, he was going to worship God in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit. And Jesus showed up. Took him to the third heaven. Gave him words that no man should hear. It was illegal for man to hear. Made him see things that was illegal for man to see. And said, you can write it. Paul, God said, you can't. Paul couldn't say it. Paul said it was unlawful for man to say, speak. But God gave permission to John. Two things. The second is your time. You got to get those two things. If you're not paying your tithe and you're just doing what you like with your Sundays, God knows you're not willing and you're demonstrating you're not willing, God's blessing is not going to be there. He'll bless you from time to time, a little shower here and a little shower there, so your life is sometimes up, sometimes down. Uh, how are you feeling today? Well, I'm down. And then the next day, well, I'm up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I'm down. That's the way you go up and down, up and down, because you're not consistent with God, and He doesn't know, He can figure you out. Two things you got to do. To be willing and to be obedient. If you're willing, for me as a Christian, I don't play with Sundays. I don't care where I am. When it's Sunday, even on vacation, it's Sunday is right up in my mind. Today is Sunday. And my wife will tell you, I get very uncomfortable. I got to go to church. I've even walked into a Catholic church before, and I almost cried after I did service. <laughs> oh, you know. Because it was Sunday. I, it was the closest thing around. I didn't have a car. It was this Catholic church. And then I went in, and they, they stand up while I'm sitting. And then I say, oh, wow, it's time to stand up. And then while I'm standing up, and, and we are praying, all of a sudden they all sit and I'm standing. They all know this is not a, a, a saint. Look, I go back home with them. Oh, yeah. I told myself I'd never go back there. <laughs> Another thing, you must have a passion for God. Amen? Passion for God. Passion for God. You know, what I, my mind is switched. I'm beginning to look to the next generation for me. I talk to Josh a lot these days. Because I know it's my time. And I'm looking beyond this. If Christ doesn't come, I don't want it to end with my generation. I got to pass it on. I got to pass it on. I got to pass this thing on. My mind is so focused on that. Yes, we got the people, but I'm looking to the next generation, my son's generation. That's very important to me. Because this thing has to continue. This is the best thing that's ever happened to mankind. i got to do my part to make it so. you got to have a passion for God. Now, if you have a passion for God, God will visit you. 
God will visit you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things that they are killing for will be added to you. Matthew 6.33 But let me show you something with you. And I put that scripture up in First Kings chapter 3, verse 5. Passion for God. I mean, when you have a serious passion for God and you act on it, sometimes God will give you an opportunity for you to act on that passion and you go overboard with it and God shows up at that time. God will show up. And when He shows up, your life is totally transformed. First Kings chapter 3, verse 5. Verse 3 and 4. It says, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David. Now, notice what it says. Solomon loved the Lord. Nothing else mattered to this young man. He just loved God. He had seen everything happening in his father's house, but he just, no wonder God picked him up to rule. And after he became king, he knew he wasn't smart enough, but he knew God had picked him. He was a very grateful man. He, 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 he was ruling, but he knew he didn't have what it took to really be like his father David. He was really trying to follow after David's steps. And so he loved God. He saw what God had done with David. And so he was following after David's step. But still inside he knew, I, didn't, I don't have it. David did, but I don't. But I'm going to try to see if I can measure up to my father. I'll try to do something. And he loved God. He loved God even though he knew he was inadequate inside of him. But God saw the love and the passion for God that he had in him. And God also recognized the deficiencies in his life. And he says, he loved God, followed God like David his father, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. That's where they burned incense and worshipped God in their time. It says, now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. He was so excited to serve God. A thousand burnt offerings. On that altar. Why? Because of his love for God. Passion for God. And guess what happened that night? That same night, God showed up in his room. At night. And said, what do you want? I want to give you something. What do you want? Just name it. I'll give it to you. Just tell me what you want. Your passion combined with your action. God shows up. And God said to Solomon, what do you want? The fellow, because of his passion for God, said, now look, you know, you've made me king. I I really don't have the spiritual know-how like my father. My father David, he was a spiritual man. But you see, I I don't even have the wisdom. I need you, wisdom. Give it to me, please. Notice, he wasn't concerned about money. That That wasn't his concern. We're back again to where we were. That was in his concern. All he wanted, I want to do things right by God. These are your people. They are such great people. And it would take a real solid leader to lead them, to follow after you, to love you like my father did. And I don't have the wisdom to do it. Please, for your sake, give me. And God said, I'm glad you asked for that. Because we're not stopping there. I'm going to go beyond that. 
And he became the wisest man he's ever lived. Apart from Christ. And his wealth brought him money. So much money. His fame went all over the world. Kings and queens were coming to just to listen to his wisdom. He wasn't born with it. But God gave it to him. And stayed with him until he died. God gave him that wisdom. And the wisdom brought him wealth. Amen. And God's going to do that for you tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for giving me time to finish the message. <laughs> Nobody got upset. I pray. <laughs> but God watches over his word to perform it. Amen. And I'm speaking these words tonight. Not because I want to speak. Because I do know one thing. What you speak in the house of God, he confirms. He watches over his word to perform it. He followed the disciples and he confirmed the words that they were speaking with signs following. So guess what? Prosperity is coming your way. True prosperity from God is coming your way. The time is now. Can I hear an amen? The time is now. I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. Stand up with me tonight. Put your hands out to the Lord and tell him how much you believe in him. Because he loves you. God has nothing against you. If you're standing here tonight, God has nothing against you, no matter what you've done. If you feel bad, tell him, God, forgive me. I want to know you. I want to do better. I want to know you. When God gives you anything is good. All good and perfect gifts come from him. And wealth from God is good in your hands. So you can help others. Help your children. Help your mother. Your grandmother. Take care of them. So that they are happy in life. And can bless God. Because of God's blessing in your life. That's what this is all about. He died to make it available for us. Let's receive tonight. Let's receive tonight. Let's receive. And receiving is just say, God I take it from you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making this available. Thank you for sending Jesus to us. Thank you for Jesus on the cross. When I look at Jesus on the cross, I see everything he's done for me. Things are changing in my life. God is coming my way. Those difficult times have been removed. The troubles have been kicked out of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because of your great love. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're here to stay with me. To guide me, to teach me, to lead me, to bless me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We give you praise, God. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of holiness. We thank you. You are the Lord of the harvest. And we see a great harvest in this place. A great harvest of wealth. A great harvest of souls first. And a great harvest of wealth. Because you've given us a great work to do in this place. Thank you, Father. Bless your people tonight, O God. According to your word, may your blessings come upon them and overtake them. I rebuke every demonic force that has come against their lives in Jesus' name. I command you to cease from your activities. Cease from your devilish activities. Cease from your oppression over the lives of the people of God. I exercise the authority that Jesus is giving to me over these lives tonight in Jesus' name. And I command you, take your hands 
of their lives. Take your hands of their finances. Take your hands of their children. Take your hands of their retirement. Take your hands of their jobs. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. You are here with us. We are afraid of no one. We are not afraid of Satan. Satan, you defeated Satan. He has been destroyed. He is powerless. He can do nothing against our lives. He can do nothing against our children. We are free. You made us free. And we are free indeed. That's our confession. We are free indeed. You made us wealthy. And we are rich according to your word. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. The oppression is broken. Can I hear an amen? The oppression is broken in your life tonight. In the name of Jesus, that oppression is broken. The sickness is destroyed from your life. For it is written, So you shall serve the Lord your God. He will bless your bread and your water. He will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one will suffer miscarriage or be barren in the land. The number of your days God will fulfill. Nobody can cut your life short. No sickness, no disease. By the power of the name of Jesus. He is with us. Amen. He is with us. He is with us. And the word of God says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Nothing. Nothing. We must stand. We must stand our grounds. And refuse to let Satan oppress us. Because he is truly under our feet. Jesus, our oldest brother, beat him so bad. <laughs> destroyed him, paralyzed him. We got nothing to fear. I don't care what's going on in your life. As long as Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, good is coming your way. That evil has got to change. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God will recreate it and make it beautiful. Whatever the enemy is doing in your life, if you don't like it, the Holy Spirit is going to take it. He's going to breathe into it and he's going to change it. He will recreate it and present it to you in the name of Jesus. You're going to be screaming like Adam screamed when God presented Eve. <laughs> you know, but he was so excited. Because God is presenting you good things. Amen? Put the past behind you. Amen? Because God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. I need you to believe God with me. This morning, I felt so good. I said, this is a new day. It's a new day. I, I, I've been wanting to put this day on my, uh, down. And I'm going to do it. In the areas where I know God has spoken to me over the years. I didn't, I, God, I think it was good because I didn't even know it was 121212. 12. In my prayer this morning, I finally realized, is this 121212? 12? I went back to my office area, it's 121212. 12. I felt like God has spoken. And God is doing a new thing here. God's doing a new thing and get ready because good is coming our way. Why? Because we'll be so good? No. He loves us. He loves us. He holds nothing against us. Good things are coming your way. God bless you. We're dismissed tonight. We'll see you on Sunday.